Do you sometimes get the sense that debates about America's role in the world are predictable and often disconnected from reality? Our new podcast tries to change that. None of the Above offers new ideas to help confront America's global challenges. Subscribe to None of the Above today. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Let Freedom Ring podcast. This will be the last episode before Christmas. We still have one more coming out before New Year's. Uh, so thank you guys all for tuning in. It's been, it's been quite a week since the last one. We do have a special guest coming on later. We have uh, Secretary of Agriculture, uh, former governor of the great state of Georgia, uh, Sonny Perdue, coming on to talk about the importance of the Georgia Senate races and he, he he's a great guest. He's somebody who I've looked in, who I've looked up to a lot. Um, I don't I don't want to give too much away. You guys will hear it a little bit later on, about thirty minutes or so. But we do I do want to talk about the Georgia Senate uh, races. I had a chance um, over the past couple of weeks to campaign for and with uh, both Senator David Perdue and Kelly Leffler because it's it's vitally important that we get these two reelected to the U.S. Senate. Because if we don't get these two, uh, well, I guess one elected, one reelected to the U.S. Senate, then it, it, there could be a lot, a lot that that could happen. Now, I know a lot of people are saying that Donald Trump will be inaugurated on January 20th. And personally speaking, I have no clue. Um, I, I'm not a lawyer, even though I'm pre-law. I'm not a lawyer. I know I'd much rather him be inaugurated than Joe Biden. But my opinion is let's let's assume that whoever wins uh whoever gets inaugurated on january 28th we need a republican senate regardless dinesh d'souza put this best when he said that if trump wins we need a republican senate if biden wins we need a republican senate because kamala harris breaking ties in the senate is not in the best interest of you and i and that's why we've seen a lot of people uh over the past couple of weeks come to my great state of georgia my you know our state of georgia if you live here I I love I love the state of Georgia. It's my favorite one. We get into it later on with with Governor Purdue, Secretary Purdue. Um, but we've seen a lot of people flock here. And if we look at current polling, uh, so Purdue and Ossoff, Purdue's polling at forty eight point nine, and Ossoff's polling at forty eight point one. Um, and that's you know that's that's here recently. Uh, back in December fifteenth, Ossoff was up point four, which doesn't make sense because let me get this right. Hold on. Because David Perdue beat him. Um, David Perdue beat him by... Let me pull it up here. Hold on. Uh, David Perdue beat him by two points. So I don't understand how he's polling, you know, how he was how he was beating leading up. Even though Ossoff was winning in polls up into it. And so uh, Perdue is up by 0.8. And Leffler Kelly is up by 0.2. Now, I'm not sure why there's such a big... You know why there's you know two percent of people who are going to vote for Warnock apparently, but not Ossoff, 
and then like four percent of people who are going to vote for Purdue, or point four percent of people who are going to vote for Purdue and not Leffler. I don't know. I just know that pretty much, um, pretty much every poll that I've seen either has it a dead tie or plus or or to the Republicans. I, I'm looking at one. I'm looking at sorry two polls by places I've never heard of. Um, Tra- Trafalgar Group and Survey USA. I mean, they're they're really low. Once a 500, 500 people surveyed. Um, it, it seems the more people that you have surveyed, the higher it is likelihood that um that Kelly wins. Um, so I think that I, I think that uh, the only way this is going to play out is this is going to happen by either they both win or they both lose. I find it very very unlikely that one would win and the other would lose. But let me tell you, this is what I've been saying for for a couple of months now. I said it on this podcast. I said it being interviewed is that it was not important to donate to the president's campaign. He was raising money, but it was important to donate to these Senate races because these Senate races will tell the tide. And the Senate races were pretty much hand in hand with Donald Trump. States that he won, uh, Republican senators tended to win. And now we need Republicans to, to come in and to to push this election we need we need republicans to come and donate to this election i mean we are up against two of the most radical people we've ever had run for senate at least in georgia um i mean Raphael warnock has said that you can't serve god in the military here i'll play the clip well folks i am sorry i cannot clip that for some reason uh my audio guy just gave me a call and told me that i can't be i don't know but regardless, I promise you, he said that he said you cannot serve God and the military. It's not an option. You can't do it. It's not allowed. You can't you can't call yourself a Christian and serve God. This guy has a history of saying these rat. I don't know what Bible he's preaching. MLK would be is rolling over in his grave right now at what his once great church is is now being told. Raphael Warnock is the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, where MLK once preached, and he is saying these radical ideas, these ideas that you can't serve God in the military. He said as a pastor, he supports a woman's right to choose. And personally speaking, I can't find that anywhere in the King James Version. I don't know which one he's reading. I can't find it in mine. He could be right. I could be wrong. Don't think he is. Let me know. Go ahead and tweet at me if you think he's wrong. At the Noah Ring, go ahead and say, Raphael Warnock is a radical socialist. Now, this guy has a history of other things. This guy has defended Jeremiah Wright. This guy has defended Louis Farrakhan. This guy has, uh, apparently, he covered up a child abuse scandal at a daycare or a summer camp. This guy is crazy. And his, it is, um... His teammate, I guess, um, John Ossoff, is a trust fund socialist who lost to Karen Handel in, in the famous 2017 um, special election in Georgia, in Georgia's 7th Congressional District, um, when Tom Price was selected uh, to go and serve in Washington. Then um, uh, John Ossoff ran for that, lost to Karen Handel, um, and then Karen went on to lose to Lucy McBath. Anyway, these two people are extremely radical, and I've heard from a lot of people that they don't plan on voting in November, um, or sorry, in January, because they feel the election will be rigged again, that this election is all 
there's there's no reason to vote i had a conversation with a guy who i'm really good friends with his name is jordan he he goes to college he's a college football player he's a really smart guy and um we've gone to school together for years he's a good conservative and he said to me he said why would i go vote why why would i go and you know waste my next he's got three weeks off before or three or four weeks off i guess before he has to go back to valdosta um why would i go vote why would I go vote when my vote didn't count the presidential election? And personally, I didn't know what to tell him at first. I didn't know what to tell him. I didn't know, you know, what to say because a lot of people feel that way. But I told him, I said, look, this is too important to not vote. I voted the first day that that early voting was allowed. I went and I cast in my ballot because this is important to my future, to Jordan's future. And this is one of the first times that our Senate elections in Georgia aren't just important to Georgia. They're important to every every place in this country. Because if Raphael and John take the U.S. Senate seats, you will see crazy stuff happen throughout America if, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are sworn in. Now, I, I told him, I said, I said, buddy. If, if Donald Trump didn't want you to vote, if Donald Trump truly believed that your vote didn't matter, why would he come campaign here? Why would he tell you to get out to vote? Because he thinks it's important. And to whatever you want to say about Lynn Wood, Sidney Powell, whatever, Donald Trump wants you to vote. Donald Trump thinks that you need to vote. Now vote in person and vote in the largest troves you've ever voted in your life. Because this is truly the battle of a lifetime. Because if if John Ossoff, whose company is taking money from Al Jazeera, because the left right now is pushing this notion, and Josh Halley talked about it on the Senate floor today, or over the weekend, that that we're, we're going to somehow be unified. But John Ossoff, and I'd love to link this, but it's just not a possibility right now, um, said over the weekend, or sometime during a campaign event, that he lied as well. And he said that the the GAGOP is saying that uh, they're making anti-Semitic um, plights. They're, they're saying that they're being anti-Semitic in their ads because they're saying his nose is big and that they're making fun of Reverend Raphael Warnock because, you know, he's black and I'm Jewish. And yeah, and therefore the Republicans hate us. Well, that's clearly, I mean, we, we don't hate you guys. I pray for you, John. You seem like a, John Ossoff in all, in all, in all likelihood, John Ossoff doesn't seem like a bad guy. I feel like John Ossoff, if he lived in any other state could be governor. He's just too wacky for Georgia. Not as wacky as Stacy, but he's too wacky for Georgia. If he lived in any other state, he could be governor. Seems like a genuine guy. Seems like a nice guy. He's a trust fund socialist, but he seems like a nice guy. Um, Definitely, he's picking up the bar tab. But anyway, Raphael Warnock is, he he is crazy. He's crazier out of the two. I mean, what's John has kind of been raised to be a politician, in my opinion. His family has has sent him, has put him in the spot where he is to, to be, to, to campaign. To be somebody that, 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 that could win. I mean... He, uh, he, 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 like I said, he's not, he doesn't, he's not a bad guy, 
But I mean, they sent him to to go to. He went to Georgetown. I mean, he he's really smart. He he's really smart. I mean, I don't. Again, I, I of course I don't agree. Uh, I mean, he he interned for John Lewis. He, like I said, he went to Georgetown. He, he he he's a really smart guy. But personally speaking, he went to the London School of Economics as well, which is like they must not be good over there. Well, but without that, um. It's really important to understand what what's at stake. And the the lie that they're pushing that I meant to get to earlier, this is what they're saying, is that they want to unify. That John Ossoff is going to be the senator of all Georgians so long as they wanna you wanna raise taxes and you wanna you wanna send our jobs to New York, California, overseas. So long as you wanna do that, you wanna so you wanna completely you want to completely take, you want to turn healthcare into the DMV. As long as you do that, he's your senator. So is Warnock, as long as you want to be a Marxist. But if you voted for Trump, well, oh, Joe Biden, John Ossoff, Kamala, Raphael, name any mainstream Democrat, they don't care about you. I'm not talking about your neighbors. I'm not talking about Sally down the street who voted for Biden. I'm talking about the people who are in power. He's a, it's 100% true. I mean, we saw this over the past week. So, breaking uh, in the past uh, in the past couple of things, past couple of, uh, today actually I'm recording this Sunday night, posting Monday morning. Decided to do this instead of posting early Saturday, recording early Saturday morning, posting Monday. It always gets me in trouble. I mention that every podcast recording Sunday night. I'm sure I'll get in trouble still. Uh, this is per Breitbart. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced on Sunday that a deal for COVID-19 relief valued at nearly 900 billion on federal government spending had been reached by the leadership. McConnell, sorry, McConnell. McConnell's remarks on the Senate floor regarding a major rescue package with targeted policies to help struggling Americans did not include any mention of lockdowns or shutdowns. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, it includes money for, uh, for, for vaccines. Uh, supposedly, from what I can tell, people are getting $600, I believe. Okay, so Politico reported that the legislative agreement will provide a $300 boost in weekly unemployment benefits for 11 weeks and $600 relief checks for adults and children. Josh Halley and Bernie Sanders, Vermont, are are both calling for $1,200 checks to be sent out as direct payments, and I agree with them. And let me tell you why, personally speaking. Okay, so as you guys know, I'm a small business owner myself. I have a t-shirt line. Um, go check it out, Liberty Yule Apparel slash Noah t-shirt line. And I have the podcast. I have a couple other things. I'm a small business owner. And personally speaking, one, I'm not going to get money from this. I'm not, they're not sending no, they're not sending ring X LLC a check, but you know who they are sending a check to my opponents, people who are doing what I'm doing, but on a much larger scale, because they've been in the game for 50 years. Those, those people are getting checks. So you're sending checks to people who, are doing fine already. You're sending checks to Amazon. You're sending checks to Walmart. You're sending checks to Whole Foods, to Costco, whatever it may be. These places are doing okay. You know who's not doing okay? Average Americans. People who truly don't, whose jobs have been shut down. I'm not normally one for government handouts, but I think if the government tells you you can't go to work, the government better help you to survive. I had a good talk with a guy who I've known for 
for a couple of years. He, he went to he went to UGA Law, where I want to get a law school at. He went to UGA Law, and he said back then it cost fifty five dollars a quarter. Um, they wanted to raise it to sixty five, and everybody started striking. Now I wish it cost that much. Um, this one cost about thirty eight thousand a year, which breaks down to about ten thousand a quarter. Um, but that's besides the point. He said, "Look, Noah." Um, small business, 70% of small businesses have either closed permanently or will struggle to reopen. And I don't know if that's nationwide. I don't know exactly that, but I, that's the point. Small business, they're the backbone of this country. Small businesses are, small businesses are the backbone of the country because they're the true representation. How small business is doing is how the world is, is how the economy is doing. Now, I know that a lot of people like to point to the stock market, and I've said this multiple times. The stock market is not a great indicator of how business is doing. It's a great indicator of how the top couple, you know, hundred, couple hundred companies are doing. But there are thousands upon thousands. Probably, I would say, probably a couple hundred thousand businesses in America. I think there's a better gauge than, let me Google that. But I think, I think you can find a better gauge than just going to the top 500. I mean, if you ask the top 500 people in terms of net worth in America, how they're doing it, you're going to get a way better, way different result than the middle 500. Um, so I, I think that, I think that it'd be better. Oh, I was way off. There are 32.5 million businesses, basically 10% of people, well, roughly 10% of people in America own businesses. You can't judge five you can't judge 32 million businesses off of 500. You can't judge 32 million businesses off of the top 500. But I, I agree. I would rather see people uh, on the... I don't care what part of the political spectrum they are. I'd rather see people get direct payments. I think that... Let me do, Hold on. What was it? Is it 900 million? 900 billion. Sorry. So let's see. Calculator. Let's see how much that is. I can't do math. 900... Okay, hold on. Let's do the math. Nine hundred billion divided by let's just say three hundred and thirty million Americans is about twenty eight hundred dollars for everyone. Every for every man, woman, child alive, roughly twenty eight hundred dollars. But instead, they're taking out a twenty eight hundred dollar loan in your name and sending it to a big business. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. People in America need this money. And like I said, I'm not I'm not somebody who is normally in favor of, of big government. A government big enough to give you everything you want is a big government big enough to take everything you need away. And I, I saw this over the weekend and it made me think. And it made me realize that this is what I kind of need to talk about this podcast. I mean, we're like 15 minutes, 20 minutes in. What are we? Um, ah, who cares? We're like 18 minutes in. The big part... The, the big push, this is the big thing in American politics that pe- that some people love, people like you and I love, average people love, small business owners, people who work at small business love. It's populism versus elitism. That's the true difference. That's why it's hard to gauge people's politics. That's why it's hard to, to put a label on certain people, people like Tucker Carlson. People like Donald Trump, people like Sean Hannity, people like Rush Limbaugh, people like myself, sorry, people like Josh Hawley, 
Because sometimes, you know, you see that they, sometimes they're in favor of government. Sometimes they're not. It just truly depends. But what you never see is them fight for, for the big companies. They fight for what's best for the population. Populism. Fighting for what's best for the average member of the population is, I believe, what the definition is. I could be wrong. I was a poli-sci major for half a semester. Because that's what's important. Because populists, and I would say Bernie Sanders is a left-wing populist. Populists want you and I to survive. Populists want you and I to do okay. Populists want the needs and the wants and the desires of average Americans to be what they are. To be how to be how it should be. That didn't make sense. Populist politicians, which few and far between, I'd say Josh Howley, Jim Jordan, Ted Cruz, you know, then you're starting to run out of names. They want what's best for you and I. The elites on both sides, and I'm sure there's populists on the left that I can't think of, like I said, Bernie Sanders, other ones that I can't think of. They want the best for the donors. You can tell a you can tell a big difference about somebody's politics, whether or not they accept PAC money. You can tell a big difference. Because corporations cannot donate directly to uh, to a campaign. A corporation couldn't couldn't write Donald Trump for president, um, couldn't write them a check, for instance. But so let's take Disney for instance, because they're they're in drama. We'll get to them in a second. Disney can't cut Donald Trump a, a check, but Disney can you know donate to a pack that endorses Donald Trump. So when people start to not accept pack money, that's when you start to tell who controls the purse strings. And speaking of of Disney, Ted Cruz just uh, proposed a bill called the Script Act that would basically take money away from any, 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 I guess, uh, what's the word here? Any place in Hollywood that would, that, that censors itself from, that censors itself because of China. This is what he said on the floor of the Senate, quote, from buying media outlets to broadcast propaganda into America to coerce Hollywood studios to coercing Hollywood studios and sports leagues to self-censor by threatening to cut off access to one of the biggest markets for sports and entertainments, the Chinese Communist Party spends billions and billions of dollars to mislead Americans about China and shape what our citizens see, hear, and think. All of these activities are part of China's whole-of-state approach to amass more influence around the world through information warfare, and we need to put a stop to it. For too long, Hollywood has been complicit in China's censorship and propaganda in name of bigger profits. The Script Act will serve as a wake-up call by forcing American Hollywood studios to choose between the assistance they need from the American government and, dollar, and dollars they want from China. And th- this is this is true. I mean, if you even look at it, Disney, the former Disney CEO, I can't think of his name, is, is who Joe Biden has selected to be the next ambassador to China. Disney just got done shooting Milan, where in Milan, where they, where they filmed it at, can't think of the name, was in the same province, state, some was in close proximity to where they're currently keeping one million Uyghurs, one million Uyghur Muslims hostage 
in internment camps, like the Holocaust. These are Holocaust numbers. One million people are being beaten, tortured, re-educated, enslaved by the Chinese Communist Party in order to stop them from just trying to live out their faith. And now, I remember, and I don't think this is indicative of everyone on the left or right, I don't think most people in America know about the Uyghurs, because if they did, we'd probably be in China right now, opening the doors to those internment camps to let them out. But I remember about a year or two years ago, when I first heard about this, I tweeted that we needed to do something. And people on the right were, were coming at me saying, if if they were here, if if the Muslims were here, They'd be wrecking havoc. They'd be killing us. And I don't think that's true. Islam is either the first or second biggest religion in the world. If every person who subscribed to that faith was a terrorist, we'd have big problems. Actually, no, we wouldn't. Because we'd all be dead if they were all terrorists. They're not. They're not. Radical Islam is a problem, but Islam is not a problem. Most Muslims are good people. Most Muslims, the ones that I know, they don't hate America. You cannot judge... Somebody who practices Islam in China or let's say you cannot judge somebody who practices Islam in a country like America, Canada, countries in in the first, second world, the way you do somebody who practices Islam in Iran. And even in Iran, you can't tell me every person in Iran wants death to America, just the ones in power. Because that's not how they are. And regardless... America has a duty to stand up for the rights of those throughout the world when a genocide is taking place. America has a duty to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. These Uyghurs have done nothing wrong outside of believing in a different God. In fact, of just believing in a God. I don't believe there's... Well, I believe there's, a, you know, a, a state religion in China, but I don't believe it's a theistic religion. I, I remember learning about it, but I can't think quite think of the name of it. Um, it could be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's the problem because I, I've developed what I call the hypocrisy test. You know, for instance, this is how you can tell, this is how you can truly, you know, this is how you can truly judge a politician, a policy, whatever. Basically, like let's say I would assume most people listening to this tend to prefer Barack, tend to prefer Donald Trump over Barack Obama. So you take a policy. Let's say red flag laws. You know Trump was in flavor, in favor of red flag laws for a, a, a couple of days, and then he changed his mind once he realized how many people were against it. So let's take red flag laws. You know, a lot of people on the right, or let's see, let's take something he actually did, the bump stock ban. Okay. Whether you agree with it or not, just just hear me out. This is something everyone needs to do with almost every policy. The bump stock ban. He bans it shortly after the Las Vegas massacre. A lot of people on the right were, were in support of. But my question to you, and don't think about Donald Trump at all when I ask this, is if after the Sandy Hook shooting, you know, one of the worst school shootings in American history, if it, we actually, last week, last episode was actually the, the anniversary. Um, let's say that somebody, let's say that Barack Obama had wanted to ban bump stocks. Would you still support it? If the answer is yes, cool. If the answer is no, I'm sorry, but you, you, you have hypocrite, 
hypocritic tendencies. And I, I am also, I, I've been guilty of it in the past myself. It just made me realize because I don't, I've learned that you can't just support a president. You need to support the policies of the president. If Joe Biden takes office and he by a miracle lasts the first year and decides to cut the corporate tax rate, which he won't, I'm not going to say, oh my God, that's bad. Socialist. I'm going to say, congratulations. You know, when Barack Obama, or really Robert O'Neill, killed Osama bin Laden, it was good for the country. So therefore, you got to cheer him on. We have to support good policies, not just a good letter next to the name. Because as we've learned in the last couple of years, there are a lot of rhinos and dinos in America. We have Tulsi Gabbard, who is a Democrat, who believes in higher taxes, but just co-sponsored a bill that would protect babies after they're aborted if they survive, if they survive abortion. I have been waiting for a Democrat to do that, but she just she just sponsored or co-sponsored sponsored that in the House. And then we have Republicans who, you know, Ben Sass. We have Republicans who won't do anything. Little Marco. We have Republicans who won't do anything to help the true conservative ideals. It's why when Mike Pence, who I have a lot of respect for, when Mike Pence went to, uh, went to the RNC in 2016, he said, I'm a Christian conservative and Republican in that order. That's why I tweeted out the other day. I am not a Republican. I'm an independent conservative because the Republican party is as bad as the democratic party in terms of the elites. Now, Granted, in the past four years, a lot of establishment Republicans have been defeated. A lot of establishment Republicans have been beaten. But what what is what people, what Republican politicians and what Republican voters believe are way different. Back to that PAC money thing I was talking about earlier. You get Republican politicians who take a bunch of PAC money from big tech, take a bunch of PAC money from big business from you name it you start to see if they they support it most republican surveys after studies after studies after surveys after polls after whatever you want to have over the last year have shown that the majority of republican voters want something to be done about social media sorry 2017 2018 want something to be done about social media when republicans had the house republicans didn't do anything lost the house now there's really no room to do something unless we ban unless we team up with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to get on this because they they don't like big tech having this power as well. But a lot of Republicans are taking money from big tech one day and then the next day trashing them and then they don't sponsor anything. I'm not going to throw any names in depth there, but go to OpenSecrets.org. You'll learn a lot about who controls your local congressman. We need to vote in Georgia. I know I just gave a lot of a lot of gloom about Republicans, but trust me, I've met Kelly and David. David is one of the most conservative members of the Senate over the last six years. He's one of been one of Donald Trump's biggest supporters. Kelly's only been there about a year, but Kelly, there's been a lot of things about Kelly. A lot of people in Georgia have said a lot of things about Kelly because she had a primary basically uh, with with Doug Collins. I met Kelly. I talked to Kelly's parents before the event for 20 30 minutes and let me tell you something this girl is a true conservative this girl 
is somebody who truly believes in the ideas she's saying. We need to get out. We need to like these two. And to speak more about that, Governor Sonny Perdue. All right. So, Mr. Governor, uh, we have heard many people say that we should boycott the polls this election. Uh, what do you make of these claims? And what is your message to the voters of Georgia who might not want to go vote because of what they've heard over, over the last couple of weeks? Look, I understand the frustration. I, most of us have some serious frustrations over the situation in the November elections. But uh, I'm an old football player. You never quit. I mean, the only way to win is keep playing and uh, come out and vote. So I, I think that was an emotional reaction early on after the election. I see that uh, that kind of uh, advice rather cooling out here. So I hope people don't really pay attention. Even President Trump has talked about the fact that some of his friends may have said it early on, but I don't think uh, people are serious about Georgia, serious about the nation. I think they're going to come back out and vote. And that's really the way to uh, cure it. We need to uh, we need to vote and uh, again vote early. Uh, Noah, sometimes Georgia even can have bad weather in January. So I think in order to make sure we our votes count and uh, we got as early as possible. If we can't get there early, then uh, use the absentee route. But uh, we uh, we need to get out and vote. No, I definitely I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I went and voted on the 14th, which was the first day uh, of early voting. I'm sure you voted as well. Obviously, your cousin Senator Purdue is is obviously voted. Um, but a lot of people I think aren't grasping what's at stake this election. Would you mind, Mr. Governor, putting it? You know, what exactly is at stake so people can understand? Well, I know that many people don't pay as much attention to political things as the as others do but uh, surely if they've been watching television they've seen all these ads and oftentimes people get turned off by those negative ads back and forth and each one calling the other a liar but the fact is the eyes of the world literally are on Georgia because these two races depend on who has the majority in the state in the United States Senate and uh, that's what's at stake uh, I'm with Commissioner Gary Black, who's called the United States Senate one of the greatest deliberative bodies this world's ever known. And it's done that way uh, in order to kind of cool down the voice of the people in the House of Representatives. It should be more measured. In fact, one of the rules in the Senate is uh, the 60 vote rule. That you have to have 60 votes That's always been the way it was. And... Uh, uh, Democrats said that they're going to change that to a simple majority, which really means one-party rule, and that uh, that can be very dangerous for the country. This is not an election, Noah, where we have gone uh, maybe in times past with a little bit to the right and a little bit to the left, depending on the outcome. This is a whole different style of people who call themselves progressives. I call them radical liberals that uh, want to change America. In, in the greatest way. They want to uh, have open borders. They want to have government health care. Uh, they want to threaten our, uh, the, the rights that we've known from the, the right to worship as we, as we choose, the right to bear arms, and the right to uh, assemble and speak up. This is America where we, we as Americans can speak our conscience. We've always been able to. But this is how uh, monopolies this is how uh, these types of governments start. Uh, in 1995, Venezuela was a 
beautiful, wealthy country. People were living a, a very uh, high upper middle income lifestyle in all of Venezuela. In 2001, Hugo Chavez was elected, and you see where Venezuela is just 20 years later. That's the possibility. People say it can't happen in America. It can happen in America, and it happens one vote at a time. And that's what's at stake. We need to win Georgia and save America as we know it and as we've known it for 200-and-some years, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, I definitely agree with you, Mr. Governor. And now, Mr. Governor, I, I do want to ask a question because a lot of people who are listening probably don't know this, but you were the first – a lot of people think of Georgia and they think Republican stronghold, but up until 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Uh, you were the first governor, first Republican governor in Georgia in 130 years. Uh, bless you there. You were the first Republican governor in 130 years. So what is your message to, you know, maybe somebody who's listening who is a Republican and wants to run for office but is in a very deeply blue state, like maybe California, Illinois, New York? What is your message to them if they want to make a difference? The way to make a difference, obviously, is we America has, has prospered over a balanced government. And uh, that's really where we need to continue. We don't need hard left or or hard right turns even, because that's not where the majority of America is. And that's exactly what we're fighting for here. I, I just tell you, we did have one-party rule in Georgia for many, many, many years, and uh, Georgia's rejected that when they elected me as governor in 2002 because they wanted a change. And they, they did become a red state, and uh, now it's interesting, Noah, we talked about two, two and a half million people have moved into Georgia in the last uh, four to six years. And unfortunately, they've come from some of those blue states like California and New York and Illinois, and they've left those governments that were not serving them well for all the right reasons, but they bring the same politics with them to Georgia for some of the same policies that they left. That doesn't make any sense. If they come here, they ought to look and see what makes Georgia one of the best states to do business with. Uh, to do business in, in the United States and understand its leadership and its policies that give us freedom and opportunity to be entrepreneurs, to be capitalists, to be uh, all that the American dream holds rather than big government telling us what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I have a company based out of Georgia, and you've had multiple companies based out of Georgia, and for, I believe, what, the eighth straight year? It's the best company to do business in. I mean, the laws are very simple to follow. There's not strengthened regulations that that put uh, undue burden on the companies. It's the best. It's one. It's in, in my opinion, it's better than Texas. It's the best state to live in. Well, Noah, obviously, as a Georgian, I would agree. Even the downturn in that area when I was governor, from 2003 to 2011, in that Great Recession. We maintained our triple-A bond rating by having fiscal stability. We took care of business. We balanced our budget. We uh, we took care of issues and made policy decisions. Sometimes they were not popular, but we made policy decisions in the best interest of all the people going forward. We were not trying to govern in the short term in a populist type of way. We were trying to govern in policies that would make this state stable, and a good state to live in, moderate tax rates, but again, with freedom and opportunity. 
Right. And so, Mr. Governor, you're a man who's achieved big things through hard work and obviously your, your service in the military, and we thank you for that, and your companies, and you've achieved being governor and now a member of the cabinet. What do you have to say to the members of my younger audience who would like to follow in your footsteps someday and, you know, rise to power and rise to a place where they can have their ideals and the good conservative ideals that we hold, you know, be the policy? No, that is a great question. And obviously, uh, uh, the next generation is really what this election is about. And I would just encourage your listeners, and you've obviously done this, but I would encourage your listeners to read history. Look at Cuba. Look at uh, Venezuela. Look at Korea and North Korea. And look at other types of governments. We see China that has a one-party control there, and uh, we see what it's left. People don't have the freedoms. Look what happened in Hong Kong. And look at what dissidents happened in China. Uh, in China. Look at the Uyghur people there about how uh, what they can be placed upon. So we've got to be very careful, informed. History doesn't repeat itself. And if we don't are not informed by history, we will repeat that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned when I hear people, young people particularly, uh, thinking socialism is okay. That is not the American dream. You don't have people, you know, uh, storming to get out of this country. You have people storming to get in. And that's because of the wonderful Constitution that was set up so many years ago that gives that opportunity that we talk about in the Pledge of Allegiance to uh, uh, really of a, a life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and the Declaration of Independence, liberty and justice for all in pledge. And that's really what America is about. I feel Oftentimes we get caught up in this thing of free this and free that. There is no free lunch. And if you're going to give people, this is the government that's big enough to give you everything you want. It's a government that's big enough to take everything uh, they need and they want. And that's what we have to say. We, we, we believe in the, in the power of the individual in this country. We believe in the power of the individual. It's our e pluribus unum out of many one. We've great. We built the best country, uh, the best nation on earth, the United States of America, because we respect the, the liberty and the opportunity and the freedom of the individual to be who they are and all they want to be. So the future is the young people, and I'm hoping that young people will read history and wake up very quickly because uh, that's what's at stake. I need to tell you, Noah, I'm very encouraged when I get around conservative young people who get this, though, because... They're passionate about it, and we just need to communicate that to our colleagues and our friends. And one of the ways we can do that is to encourage them to vote and just tell and show them uh, what it's like. Just a little example used about Venezuela. Go look at what Venezuela was like in the middle 90s. And then when one vote, uh, Hugo Chavez, that said, we're going to give you everything, free education, free gasoline, free this and free that, and you see uh, what has happened to that country is devastated, and it's so sad to see uh, a beautiful uh, natural resource country like Venezuela in the shape it is today. That's what happens when people don't pay attention to uh, uh, to every election and every policy. Right. No, I, I completely agree, and I try to make the same things uh, across whenever I meet people around my age who are who are who kind of agree with me on politics and want to make a difference. Well, Mr. Governor, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Let the people know who are listening where they can uh, find and keep up with you. Uh, that way they can keep hearing the, you know, the message that you 
and that your your cousin David and Kelly are spreading all across Georgia about voting. Kelly, uh, no, I, I just want to thank you as a young journalist using modern techniques of podcasts and other social media accounts to get that message out. You know, you've seen what's happened uh, with big tech and the, and the media empire, how many of your conservative voices, our conservative voices, have been uh, censored during this election coming up to that. So it's really important we have patriots like you, uh, particularly your age, and a willingness and a courage to stand up for what you believe and communicate that freely. That is truly what America is all about. We don't need a country with one-party rule that uh, eliminates a filibuster, adds uh, fili- you know two states possibly, the two United States senators, packs the Supreme Court, all those kind of things. We need to keep America America, and we do that by winning Georgia and these two Senate seats to be the firewall to uh, those kind of efforts towards socialism and one-party rule. So thank you very much for allowing me to share with you today, and uh, God bless America. God bless America, Governor. So there we have it. We have uh, former Governor, current Secretary of the Agriculture, uh, Sonny Perdue, a great guy who I've – he is somebody who – like, like I mentioned, first Republican governor in 130 years in the state of Georgia. That, that's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely wild. But guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Let Friend Ring Podcast. I don't really have much else to say um, going into it, uh, going into the next to it. But hope, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up this week. We have a lot of cabinet appointments that are being announced so far, which is dumb on Joe Biden's part. I would wait until the very last minute to announce them so there's not months to dissect them. But Guys, thank you guys so much. And if you live in Georgia or you know someone in Georgia, please call them, tell them to vote um, or go vote yourself. But I will see you guys next Monday. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Do you sometimes get the sense that debates about America's role in the world are predictable and often disconnected from reality? Our new podcast tries to change that. None of the Above offers new ideas to help confront America's global challenges. Subscribe to None of the Above today. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com smartmarketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses.